No one ever saw this coming, but here we are, bonded forever by the same ex-husband. Once arch enemies and now partners in crime, we journey to the edge of sanity to uncover the dark truth about our ex-husband. My name is Athena. And I'm Amber. And we are the creators of Ex-Wives Undercover. This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Season 1, Episode 8, The Power of Persuasion Immediately after Ben's departure, I felt an overwhelming sense of strength and peace. I had spent so much of my time trying to figure out all the little things that never added up with Ben that I had lost sight of the important things. It was time to get my life back on track. It was time to reconnect with my family and friends and refocus on the things that really mattered. There was one major concern that most definitely needed my full attention ASAP. For months and months, Ben had been pressuring me into leaving my corporate job and branching out on my own. I knew in the long run that I would make more money and have more freedom with my schedule if I actually did do my own thing. But I knew that I didn't have the money saved aside to live off until I could grow my client base and make the amount of money I previously was. I explained that to Ben over and over and his response was always the same. He told me that he wanted to help me financially make this change and that we were going to be spending our future together. So this was an investment for both of us. I told him no repeatedly. I had never accepted a helping hand from anyone. After having a daughter so young, many people ridiculed and judged me, and they assumed that I would never amount to anything. I knew I would prove them all wrong. Tell us, what was the time frame between when you quit your job and when you broke up with Ben and kicked him out of your house? Oh my goodness. Okay, it's been so long, but I believe that I had officially left my job three months or so, I'm, I'm thinking, um, not much more than that, I don't believe, before I ended things with Ben and kicked his ass out. Yeah, so then when that all happened, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm screwed. I need to get my shit together. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have Jen come and stay with me. I also had another roommate. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. Um, so I supplemented, you know, Ben's share of the mortgage with renting two rooms to two different women in my home. Was it one of those like, fuck you, get the fuck out of my house and the next day going, oh shit, like what did I do? I just lost my half my mortgage payment or whatever it was. So that's what you did, you went and got some roommates? I did have, I did have a little bit of savings. I used that and racked up a credit card when that happened. I just gotta add this little piece in here. How fucking crazy slash shady is this that this motherfucker would actually go as far as to let me bust my ass, all that hard work, the touch up, the painting, the yard, the this, like to get your house ready to go on the market, as you know, is it's a lot of work. And I know you dabble in like real estate for a minute, so I know you're aware of these things. And to do that also to waste my father's time to show us homes, to carry on this huge like story, all while knowing this is never happening. I mean, fucking weird, right? Ballsy. I know. And weird. it just shows lack of empathy because did yes. he even help at all in fixing the house or getting it ready? Because that like to stand mm. back and watch and you even talked about, but like, yeah, just that lack of empathy 
to watch the person that you love get so excited, yes. take their time, their energy, their extra money, because it's not just putting your house up and making it look nice. A lot of right. times you have to do upgrades in order to sell it, painting it and, you know, right. putting in new lighting or whatever it needs to make it look nice or landscaping or whatever. That's extra income. Yeah. So just stand back. And also your father-in-law or your future father-in-law, like you don't want yeah. to have a bad look towards this person I that know. you're wanting to marry his daughter. That would, that really blows my mind. I know. I set a list of goals I would achieve by certain dates. And with a lot of hard work, I began to check those goals off my list one by one. My goal was to move Lexus into a beautiful and safe neighborhood that was located in the top school district by the time she started kindergarten. I bought a home in Kirkland at the age of 22 years old. I was well aware that I was the only one that was going to be responsible for my and Lexi's future. So the hard work had to be done and I was okay with it. And I welcomed the challenge. With that said, I felt like it was a huge gamble to risk my livelihood and steady cash flow. I was still intrigued though. And after a lot of convincing by Ben, I slowly looked into the idea of going out on my own. A girlfriend of mine had done it, so I called her to ask some questions. Before I knew it, I was signing a lease and renting her treatment room just a few days a week. I did it. I checked in with Ben to make sure he was absolutely willing to help financially, and his response was yes every time. Little did I know that this was Ben's plan all along, and I would learn in the future that he had done this to many women before me and after. This was the way that Ben would isolate his girlfriends and financially control them. So as to no surprise, as soon as I quit my job, my world crumbled. Ben's lies unraveled and I had already kicked his ass out. So I was left with no boyfriend, no income, and now I had to pay for my mortgage and rent for my treatment room. I felt like such an idiot for trusting Ben. My first yeah. thought was, why did you quit your job knowing you were going to buy a house and you have to show stable income? But this was in 2008. So can you explain to people what was happening yes. in the home lending? Because they were basically giving mortgages to everybody. You could say, I have a stated income loan and they will give you a loan. So, but maybe you can explain it. Because that was my first thought I was like, wait, why would you quit your job if you have to show stable income to get a mortgage? So the thing with that is, is that Ben had all this money, right? So... When we're talking getting a pre-approval letter for a loan, I'm gonna sell my house. I'm gonna make a huge chunk of change because the housing market was like through the roof stupid. So I would have made a good few hundred thousand dollars on my end. And therefore, Ben, I believe was the only one having to come up with a mortgage loan. He was gonna put his money down and then he was gonna float the loan, but we'd both be on the title because I already made my contribution. So that's why it wasn't a huge concern. Looking back now, I really think that he was doing anything he could to, again, financially sabotage me, isolate me, control me. It was the week leading up to the 4th of July. So I decided to reach out to my girlfriend and see if Lexi and I could tag along with her and her boyfriend if they had any plans. They both love Lex and they always reminded me how lucky I was to have a kick-ass kid like her. Ben had been calling and messaging me like crazy since he had left a few days prior. He was begging to come over and pick up his mail. When I knew that I wouldn't be home, I messaged him and told him to grab his mail and that I would leave it on the front porch. After a late night out having drinks, I left my car in downtown Kirkland and my girlfriend dropped me off at my home. 
The following afternoon, she would come back and drive me to get my car. As I looked out of the front window to see if it was her pulling in, I saw that it was actually Ben. I ducked down quickly and I crawled to my front door and I secured the deadbolt. Thank goodness he was finally picking up his stupid mail off my front porch. I heard his footsteps as he walked up the stairs and then he walked back to his vehicle and drove away. Approximately 10 minutes later, my girlfriend did arrive and I popped out of my front door and got into her car. And as we pulled out of my driveway, I received a text from Ben. Shut the fuck up. I realized that I had scared the shit out of my girlfriend because she slammed on her brakes and yelled, what? I looked up from my phone and yelled, Ben just asked me if he could come get his mail. She replied with, so? That sneaky asshole just came for his mail 10 minutes ago. He thought I wasn't home because my car wasn't there. So he left it there so that he would have an excuse to fucking come back. Little did he know I was hiding and watching the whole thing play out, but I didn't realize that he had left his mail. That's when my girlfriend warned me that Ben was acting like a creepy stalker and she made me promise her that I would change the locks on the house by the end of the day. I agreed and I installed new locks that evening. The following day after running errands, I came home to find Izzy in a cage sitting on my front porch. There was a note attached that said he was going on a sailing trip with his friends and he couldn't care for her. It was a warm sunny day and who knew how long she'd been sitting out there in the direct sunlight. He didn't even leave her a bowl of water. My blood was boiling. I unlocked the cage and took her out immediately. I unlocked the front door and carried her into the kitchen. I set her in the sink, turned on the cold water and sprayed her down. Next, I wrapped her in a towel, carried her over like a little baby, set her down, dried her off and let her and Emma reunite. And while Emma was licking all over her and making sure she was okay, I got a fresh bowl of water and food for her. All I kept thinking was what a piece of shit Ben was. I messaged him and made sure he knew how I felt. He never responded. I thought that he would have jumped at the opportunity to speak to me, but I never heard back from him. Obviously, when he leaves the pup on your doorstep, it's infuriating. It's awful. Please tell us you did not give that dog back to him. Oh, my god! After this situation, you know? Did I? No. No. Izzy was, yeah, Izzy was mine from there on out. Actually, Ben did not even want Izzy back. He kept acting like he would want her back once he was settled. And for a while there, I had a lot of financial struggles. I was on my own and I was trying to make ends meet, you know, for me and a child and a, a house all by myself. So it was a lot. And, but yeah, after that, I knew it was a bunch of bullshit. I knew she wasn't ever going to be safe with Ben. And I knew that even when he did have her for a little bit, um, I remember going over and because he had rented a room at this man gentleman's home. And it was like she was always in a cage the yeah. whole time he was at work. It was disgusting. It's awful. And honestly, it's just a pawn for him. So he would yep. probably use her to get to you. Yes. It's a control so, thing again. Yeah. He doesn't want a dog. He doesn't give a shit about animals. Um, he no. acts like he does, but he doesn't. And it's it's a way he can manipulate you. I know. Especially if she's at your house, then it gives him an excuse. Can I come get her? Can I come at least go come say hi to her yeah, or that's right. I miss her or whatever. It's just, I know exactly what he would do in that, you know? Yeah. It's and you know, nice. leading up to Ben dropping 
Is he off of my front door? I started to remember as I was going back over this time frame, he was blowing up my phone and I was sending him straight to voicemail and delete, delete, delete. And I remember now, like I had blocked him and on my old school Android phone, it would save them. So when you unblocked, you could read them. Now I remember how when I blocked it and saw the whole time he was making up all these lies and excuses that he needed to leave the dog with me and I was not responding. So because I didn't respond, he just yeah. still, you it's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. So he's like, basically, you have no choice. I'm dropping this dog off, but I never got any of them, any of his messages. So to come home and see her there, yeah, just sitting there in the sun, like in the summer, I just, awful. he's disgusting. And, and that's basically uh, like, you know. It just kind of shows his mental state. Hello, 101, you don't put anything, any living thing sitting in the sun with no water, I know. no shade, no I know. food, just no way to go potty. You know, it's just- I know, he didn't know. I could have been leaving out of town. Exactly. He had exactly. no clue. He just, just did whatever like, he wanted. He's so selfish. I mean, it's a good thing I didn't know that, but for whatever ins reasons, I never left him with our dog when we got one, because I just, I just had a bad. I get red flags on certain things, just not others, <laughs> clearly. But with my dog, I was like, fuck you. You're yeah, like, I'm the dog whisperer, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only red flag I was able to figure it out. But I was like, animals know shit. They said no. stuff. Yeah. Boogie did not like him. I remember you saying that. He tried to bite him in the balls. I great. love it. I wish I would have had that on camera. The 4th of July had arrived, and Lex got an invite to spend the 4th with her grandmother. She never passed up an opportunity to spend time on a sailboat with her. They were extremely close, and I absolutely loved the bond they had. Grandma came and picked her up, and off they went. A few hours later, I headed off to the marina to meet a few people. We all met on the dock and made our way to this beautiful boat owned by an acquaintance of my girlfriend. His name was Josh, and he was nice enough to take us out to meet up with the rest of the group on the lake. As soon as I stepped on board his boat, I thanked him and I handed him a $20 bill to contribute towards gas. I told him that I knew it wasn't much and I was sure that his boat took hundreds of dollars to fill. He stared at me for a few seconds, smiled and said, thank you. But by the way he was looking at me, I thought I might have had food in my teeth. That entire day on the water was full of fun and laughter. I hadn't laughed that much in over a year. When the sun went down and the fireworks started, Josh came over to me with a blanket. He wrapped it around me and he sat down next to me. I closed my eyes and I took a deep breath in and exhaled. I felt this overwhelming sense of freedom. We watched the fireworks side by side and then we all headed back to the marina. On the way back, Josh thanked me again for contributing to his gas fund. He told me that I was the only one who offered. He went on to say that the dollar amount didn't even matter. It was the fact that I was kind enough to offer. He had sincere and kind eyes. I thanked him once more and said goodbye as I stepped off his boat to head back to my car. By the time I got to my car, my girlfriend was calling and asking me to join everyone at Hector's for a late bite and drinks. And since Lexi wasn't home, I thought, why the heck not? I touched up my makeup, I threw a jean jacket over my red summer dress, and I swapped my flip-flops for the wedge sandals that I had packed just in case I needed to look a little bit dressier, and voila, I was good to go. That night was just the beginning of the fun I was to have with Josh and the new group of friends I had made. The following month consisted of sunny days spent playing on the water and night cruises drinking wine in the evenings. 
I had no interest in a serious relationship and made sure that I was honest about that with Josh. He was just finishing up with his divorce, so thankfully, we were on the same page. As the weeks went by, Josh and I began spending time with each other more and more. The best part was that there was zero drama. So now you're broken up. Mm -hmm. And when you met Josh, everyone's going to want to know because you had just been with Ben for about two and a half years Mm -hmm. at this point. Now you kind of jump into something pretty Mm -hmm. hot and, you know, passionate for the summer, like a little bit of a fling there in the summer. Mm -hmm. Were you ready to move on? No, no. And I even write in the chapter that like I was in no way wanting a serious relationship. I actually um, tell Josh that to be completely honest and he is just finalizing his divorce. So we are in the same place um, and just just kind of having fun and enjoying each other's company, but then it gets even more fun and more fun and we want to hang out more and more. I think we're, we were both so used to having our family units, like your significant other and then your kids. And then it just felt comfortable to have each other and be very okay knowing that we're both parents and I don't know it was just really easy but um it's good distraction it was a good distraction and you know what like at that point I did not even need a male distraction whatsoever but I have many a times um but at this point I was so I was in such a good space uh and I So I was definitely not expecting to meet Josh at all. And yeah, so it was a fun fling. And um, I'm not gonna have this part in there, but originally when we spoke about this, I think I thought it was like a really, maybe like a four or five week period before we ended and got back together, Ben and I, but it was the whole summer. We ended at the end of June and we weren't back together till the end of August. After a late night out on the water, Josh and I decided to stay on his boat that night. The following morning, we walked from the marina across the street to have breakfast at a popular breakfast spot. I let Josh know that I did not have very long because I had to pick up Lexus soon. And as we finished up, Josh told me he would take care of the bill so I wouldn't be late. I thanked him, I said goodbye, and I gave him a quick kiss. Josh had two children and he understood the importance of a timely pickup and he didn't blink an eye to my swift exit. Thankfully, I got to Lexus right on time. I got her belongings into my car and we were off. As we were driving home, I saw I had missed a call from Josh. He misses me already, huh? That's pretty adorable. After we get home and settled, I call him back. I sit there on my bed in complete shock as I listen to Josh give me the recount of events that had happened right after I had left the restaurant. Josh tells me that while he is paying the bill, A man sits down across from him where I had been seated. He tells me that it was Ben and that he poured his heart out to him and that he was crying and going on and on about how much he loved me and he couldn't live without me and that he had made terrible mistakes, but that he was only human. Josh felt bad for him, but explained to Ben that I had told him the horrible things that he had done and that those things weren't likely repairable. That's when Josh says that Ben goes on and on about how he wants to marry me and he wants me to be the mother of his children and that he will never stop trying to win me back. I could tell Josh was completely uneasy about his encounter with Ben. He was torn between feeling bad for this grown man weeping in front of him, but knew the horrible things that Ben had done. Josh says that he tells Ben that he needs to talk to me about those things and let me make the decision. 
Even with the tears and display of remorse Ben was showing Josh, Ben was clearly unsatisfied with his response because the next thing out of Ben's mouth shocked both Josh and myself. Ben had offered to pay Josh $10,000 to never see or speak to me ever again. What the actual fuck? I was so embarrassed. I'd only been seeing Josh about a month, and I could only imagine the thoughts running through his head. I reassured him that Ben and I were absolutely done, and I told him that Ben's actions only solidified my decision even more. After we ended the call, I wasn't sure if I would hear from Josh again. I certainly wouldn't blame him if he wanted to run for the hills. I wasn't looking for anything serious, so it's not like I was going to be heartbroken. I mean, I was still just getting to know this guy. I did, however, enjoy his company and hoped he would come around. Thankfully, within a day or two, Josh sent me a text and he invited me to come hang out on the boat and go swimming. Things were always slower during the warm summer months, so I was able to leave around 1 o'clock from work to go and meet him. The marina was located on the Kirkland waterfront and was surrounded by a variety of restaurants and specialty stores and boutiques. During the summer months, parking was hard to find. After winding through several times, I was finally lucky enough to snag a spot directly across from the docks. I grab my beach bag and make my way over to Josh's boat. I see him playing in the water. As I get closer, I realize that there are also two young children with him. Did he bring his kids? I said, hello, and I waved as I stepped onto his boat. Josh climbed up the ladder out of the water and gave me a big wet hug. He smirked and said, surprise, you get to meet my kids. I was shocked. I wasn't sure if I was ever going to even see him again after Ben's crazy fiasco, let alone meet his children. Next, Josh's kids yelled at both of us to get in the water. We both laugh and we walk to the back of the boat where he introduces me to them. He had a son and a daughter and they were adorable. In an instant, Josh snatches my bag out of my hands, picks me up and jumps into the water. His kids cheer him on and just like that, we were all playing in the water together. Josh introduced you to his children really quickly. <laughs> yes. How did you feel about that? Do you feel like it was too soon? Do you feel like maybe he thought your relationship was more than it was? I mean, obviously you showed up and the kids were already there, so you couldn't really do much. But was it like, yeah. oh, geez, should we be involving children at this point? Yeah, it was very random. And this might be a little hard to explain, but I don't think he even thought twice about it. I don't think he thought, wow, this is a big step. She's meeting him. And I got that vibe and it was just like, hey, this is my friend Athena. I personally take that as a big deal. I was surprised, but I played it off, played it cool. And everyone, it's a personal decision. Everyone, there's some people are like, I won't even introduce them until a year. Some people say a couple months, some people say six months. It's just, it's a personal preference and yes. you shouldn't be shaming anyone anyways on what they choose. Yes, and I will, in, in, in addition to that, we had this big group of us and a lot of us had kids mm -hmm. and it was always a lot of friends that were male, yeah. female, that were not coupled up and the kids playing and stuff like that. And so I think that was normal for the kids to just kind of meet up and play on the water with whoever shows up. A few hours later, while still on the boat, I thought I saw Ben drive by in his Hummer. There weren't too many vehicles like his around, but I figured that it couldn't be him. Ben was always very busy during the workday and never left early. I was just being paranoid. As I was gathering my things and getting dressed to head back to my car, Josh leaned into me and told me to discreetly look across the water where the grassy area was. I was completely confused, but waited a moment before looking. No fucking way. 
Ben was standing there just staring at us. His hands were on his hips, his chest puffed out, and he refused to look away from us. His behavior was officially starting to freak me out. He specifically positioned himself there because he clearly wanted us to see him. Once again, I was mortified and apologizing profusely to Josh. Josh reminded me that Ben's creepy behavior was not my fault and he told me that I should wait a bit before walking back to my car. And hopefully Ben would be gone. You feel he was tracking you? 100% I know now. I found the tracker. And at that point when I found the tracker, I believe it was on his vehicle. So he had put it there and was tracking it when he let me borrow his car. And it was the magnetic one. You could take it off and put it on anybody's car. So it didn't take long before I figured out how the fuck does he just keep showing up where I am? You work in Seattle, you know, you don't live over here. And there was no reason for him to know on a weekday at a certain time, exact, my exact location. I mean, I was wound in through the marina. Like, right. But like when you did find the tracker, was that your, I mean, did you get this insane amount of like, you just violated my privacy and just were you pissed? Like how, how did you huge ass red, big yes. fucking flag? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whoa, I, I was, level. I was beyond pissed and his way of making it better was that he was concerned for my safety. And that I know that you think you want to go out there and do all this, but it is scary, Athena. Like people are fucking crazy. Like I'm worried about you and I just want to be your friend. And I'm sorry, like I go overboard. Like I love you and I'm not trying to overwhelm you, but I just want to make sure I know you're safe. Stuff like that. And yeah, I would have bought that too. Back then, back then. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's that's not okay. That's fucked up. Don't ever do that again. But but it made his story always like yeah could be true. Like Mm -hmm. it was. It should be a like whoa, hard stop. But instead, he twists it in a way where you almost trust him. Like like that's how much I love you. Thank you. Right. Like yeah. Thank you. I didn't think about how dangerous the world is, and I can't. You know. But uh, yeah, I I would have bought that hook, line, and sinker. Finally, Ben left, and so I said goodbye to Josh and his kids, and I made my way to the marina parking lot. Thankfully, Ben was not in sight. I saw my vehicle, and I quickly made my way there. As I was pulling my keys out of my bag, I heard my name. There was Ben, sitting on the curb, next to my driver's side door, crying. I froze immediately, and I started to walk backwards slowly. Ben put his arm out and said, "'Please wait, don't go.' I froze again. He began weeping again. In that moment, all of his false stories and fake tears suddenly angered me. I walked right up to him and I told him that he was acting like a crazy stalker and that his fake tears did not affect me whatsoever. I got in my car quickly, I locked the doors, and I started to back out of my parking spot. Ben stood up and continued crying while I drove off. All I could think while I was driving home was how the hell did he know exactly where I was? You guys noticed Ben kind of watching every move that you did. You get to your car thinking he was gone, but then he actually was there. How did, were you scared? Did, what was your feelings in that moment? I think I naturally started like taking steps backwards because when I had originally seen him, 
for that length of a time, standing there with hands on hips, just staring at us, glaring at us, especially doing that when his two young children, Josh's two young children were there, like that was a point where I started to feel scared. So then when I did come upon him and I don't see him right away because he's seated on a curb right next to my car, it scared the shit out of me. And you know, that cry face he has, and poor me, but that point, I was so infuriated and embarrassed by what he was doing that I didn't feel sorry for him. I felt scared and I think my fear kind of gave me adrenaline to where I kind of said what I had to say and jumped in my car and locked it and backed out as fast as possible. Over the next few weeks, my outings with Josh started to taper off. It's not like I could blame him. Every time we hung out, Ben created some sort of drama. I would have run for the hills myself. Ben continuously tried to apologize and make things right between us. Every single day, I would find a bouquet of flowers, poems, cards, love letters, always left on my front porch for both myself and Lexus. I remember that I stopped counting after 14 days of flower deliveries. Ben was very persistent, and he slowly found ways to get me to talk to him here and there. He begged me to be his friend and nothing more. I'm obviously stupid and way too nice because I started to cave in a little. Our text conversations increased over time. He never crossed the line and he behaved just like he said he would. Ben was trying to be your friend. Yes. Do you really think your boyfriend of two and a half years just wanted to be friends? Can we just talk about this for a second? Because uh. most men don't want to be friends. <laughs> Did you really believe that? Okay, I'm going to be totally candid and honest, okay? I could give two shits about being his friend until he was wearing me down and I already knew that I didn't want anything with Josh, that I could tell Josh had a drinking problem. And so with the realization that, wow, dating might be a little rough and here's this guy who is just overwhelming me with flowers and gifts and poems and I love you and I just I, okay and then backs off completely like I just want to be your friend if you need anything please let me know please let me do this please let me do that all I would like to us to do is be on you know good terms he would use Lexus you know I was in her life and I I'm just I just want to make things right and things on a friendly note so she doesn't have like hate issues for men like he used every angle possible and so I allowed it at the end because I felt like I had nothing to lose and maybe a little something to gain. Ben somehow remembered that my high school reunion was coming up in August. He was supposed to be my date originally and he told me that he was sad that he would not be coming with me. I told him that it wasn't happening and that I invited my girlfriend Ashley to come with me as my plus one. Ben insisted that Ashley and I drive out to my reunion in style and he wanted me to take his Hummer for the evening. I thought it would be kind of fun to ride out to my reunion in style, but I still felt a bit hesitant. But after days of his very persistent convincing, I finally gave in. Now, on the evening of my reunion, Ben had come to drop off his vehicle to me. He had washed it and it looked great. I was feeling excited to head out all dressed up. And as I was waiting for the babysitter to arrive, I received a call and she told me that she had to cancel last minute because of an emergency. Ben's eyes widened as he heard the babysitter drop the bomb on me. 
As I hung up on the phone, he was smiling and beaming with excitement. I asked him, why the hell do you look so happy when I'm about to start crying? He grabbed my hands and he begged me to let him stay at the house and watch Lexus for me. I hesitated at first and then said no. Lexus came outside to the front porch where we were to see if I was getting ready to head out. As I was explaining to Lexus how the sitter had just canceled, Ben chimed in with this proposition for Lex. He offered her a junk food and candy-filled evening with any movie she wanted to rent. I pulled Lexi aside and I double-checked if that was actually okay with her and if she was really on board. She said yeah, she was excited and I was not able to resist them both, so I agreed and I finally headed out. So when did you feel the switch in his personality? Because you're saying he wants to be your friend. First, he wants to get you back and is giving you flowers. So obviously, you wouldn't be scared. So as far as time frame goes, just to clarify a little bit, after the boat situation where he's standing there staring at us, I go to my car, he's there. I would say a few weeks later, things start to drift with Josh and I, and I just, I'm not feeling it anymore. And that's when Ben has his new tactic of being, being your kind and soft and subtle now, a different approach. So he flipped a switch. So he's like trying to give you flowers, get back with me. Then it doesn't happen. Then he's pissed. Now he's stalking, whatever. And yes. then, then, and then when that stalking. doesn't work, then yes. let's be friends. All right, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yep, exactly. Okay. It set him over the edge when he found out about Josh. He just can't lose. No. Uh -uh. It's not about me. It's just that no, nobody else can have he's, me. He's shown a pattern with other women. Mm -hmm. It's the breakup is the big fucking meltdown of all meltdowns and he will stop. It's he can't lose. It's narcissism. It's controlling, You're controlling. Absolutely. I picked up my girlfriend, Ashley, on the way and we head to the reunion. We had a great time catching up with everyone and some friends wanted to continue the festivities down the street at a bar. I had a ways to drive back home and I decided to play it safe and head home then. Ashley decided she would just stay and catch a ride home for one of our other girlfriends. As I was walking to my vehicle, I got a text from Josh. I was actually surprised. I hadn't heard from him in a few weeks. He told me that he and some friends had come over from Seattle on his boat and that they were having drinks in downtown Kirkland. He asked me if I wanted to join. I told him I was an hour away and that I would stop on my way home and say hi if he was still there. I could tell that he had definitely been throwing back the drinks. He called me when I was halfway there and I could barely make out what he was even saying. Once I arrived in Kirkland, I parked and I called Josh. He would answer and then we would lose our connection repeatedly. And after trying for 15 minutes, I just gave up and I walked back to Brandon's Hummer and I drove home. As I was pulling in, Josh texted me his exact location. I told him that after trying to connect with him, I just decided to go home. I was exhausted anyway. When I got back, everyone was sleeping. In episode two, you talk okay. about your homeland security. I'm so good at spotting red flags and we rate them all out. Yeah. Then you talk about how you were very quick to notice them with Preston kicked him to the curb. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing you also picked up on the red flags with Josh kicked him to the curb. I know. Why do you think you didn't pick up on the red flags with Ben? Oh my gosh. That's Amber. a tough one, right? I know. You know what? That is, you are like... Badass Beatrice is my question. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it's not me being asked Detective this question. Detective Amma. I'm like, That's Detective Amma Lou. Um, okay. One. You know what? I can honestly say in my mind, I really wanted to believe 
that the picture that Ben had painted at the beginning of all of these things on my list were true and that I was just having to put the work in, uh, go through the motions. I'd already had this real amazing love with Shane and then, you know, he had this addiction and in my mind, there was a skill. Like, did I not put the work in? Did I just take everything away from Lexus and destroy everything? Should I have done things differently? And so I think that when it came to Ben, I, I was still believing and in love with this idea of who I wanted him to be, um, that I clung on to that. In addition to that, he is so believable. His emotions are 100% believable and you can't see through them. So how I could pick up on certain things and cues and read people, it is not like that when you're dealing with somebody with, you know, a cluster B personality disorder. So I'd have to say that's probably my first encounter and it threw me for a loop. I had no radar. And when I started to, I think I was already in a bad position to where I wasn't as strong as I was previously to make better decisions. And I'll add to that because when you're in a short-term relationship, you're not as emotionally invested. True. You were together for two and a half years with Ben. There's Mm -hmm. emotions. There's a family unit. Like it's so much more. Yeah. There's maybe more weight in what he has to say because you Mm -hmm. have some longevity with him. Whereas the other ones were just short short little relationships where you're not quite as in it, you know? Yeah. So I feel like, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like subconsciously you feel the red flags, you know, they're there, but then consciously he's so good. And I hate, I know people hate when we say that, but it's true. Yeah. It's very believable. My family was, everyone's fooled by him. Um, Yeah. Because he believes his own bullshit, you know? He's passionate. He's emotional. um, The way he looks at you, the way he begs and pleads and the tears in his eyes. And then he goes on a rampage of making your life just a fantasy and and wonderful and beautiful for always, you know, several months. And you just start feeling so good again. Mm-hmm. And then it starts happening again. Yeah. And it's it's a terrible And uh, then you're mad time. at yourself for giving him another chance because you yeah. feel like I'm a good person. I believe him. I want him to be, you know, yeah. fulfill what he says he's going to do. It's just a vicious cycle. You get stuck in it. So I know people mm-hmm. come at us, but, yeah. you know. Not until you've walked is. in our shoes will you understand. And they know how to, like I said, manipulate you, isolate you. Um, emotionally abuse and with all of that it it doesn't become as easy to trust your own instincts after a bit you start thinking wow I felt like this and I was so sure of it but then I did this like what what should I really believe I don't I don't know anymore so Mm -hmm. and I want people to remember as they're listening to our stories that this is over a very long time 10 plus years between the two, two of us and we are giving you highlights of the worst parts. You are not getting all the fun stuff and all the good moments right. of Ben. So, and anyone can agree that, yes, there is awful times with the narcissist. There's yelling matches, but there's also a lot of good stuff that happens too. And yeah. that also weighs in on your decision-making because, mm-hmm. you know, he's yeah. bringing home pugs and he's he makes you feel very 
special. He's very good at making you feel loved, special. He's very much like a gentleman. He's opening your doors. He's, you know, he's yeah. just, he's, I don't know in any other way to describe it is he's very good at putting on this. I'm a really good guy. As I pulled into our neighborhood, I realized that I totally forgot to tell Jen that Ben was going to be staying there to watch Lexus while I was at my reunion. As I pulled into the driveway, I realized she actually had not even gotten home from work yet. So I sent her a quick text. Jen bartended in the evenings and usually rolled in between 12 and 3 a.m. When I walked in and saw that Ben had fallen asleep on the couch, I decided to just let him crash for the night. I then checked in on Lex, then headed to bed. When I woke up, I went downstairs and thanked Ben for looking after Lex. We said our goodbyes and he left. I was pleasantly surprised that he had tried to extend his stay. Maybe he really did just want to be friends and things were actually going to end on good terms. The following day, I got the most random call from Josh. He was upset and going on and on about how he had slept on his boat last night. And after a night of parting, he says he knew it was best to just keep the boat there at the marina. He tells me that around 3.30 a.m., Ben came onto his boat and was knocking on the cabin door and insisting that Josh unlock it. Josh tells me that the knocking turned into pounding and that he had thankfully locked the door. I reminded him of how hammered he had gotten that night, even to the point that I couldn't even understand his slurred vocabulary. He admits that he was pretty blacked out and that when he woke up, he had actually forgot the incident until the neighboring boat owners told him everything that had happened. They wanted to make sure everything was okay. Josh asked them for additional information and that's when they told him that a man that fit Ben's description had climbed onto his boat and that he was wearing all black clothing and boots. They said he looked suspicious so they continued to watch him. After the man started knocking and then aggressively pounding away on the door, they stepped in and asked who he was. The man said that he was a friend of Josh's, but they didn't believe him, especially when they could hear him aggressively telling Josh to open the door and come out, and that he had warned him to stay away from some woman. In addition to overhearing this man threatening Josh, the neighbors said that when they approached him, he was holding a taser gun. Yes, I was definitely embarrassed to admit to Josh that I allowed Ben back into my home and that he actually had slept on my couch that night. But I felt like I needed to tell Josh the truth so that I could put his mind at ease that it could not have been Ben. I explained that he was sleeping when I got home and that I had even witnessed Ben leave that following morning. But the next day you get a call from Josh. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much did you buy what he was telling you? I Okay, so I guess I wouldn't have put it past something that Ben could do. At this point, he was doing weird stuff, but nothing that intense. I wasn't naive enough to go, no way. I mean, I definitely was shocked by it and really thought it through. But then once I just kind of ran through the motions of how everything played out. But by the time I got home, Ben was in my house sleeping. By the time I went to bed and woke up, Ben was just waking up at my house still. So it just seemed very far-fetched that somebody could actually put something like this together, not in a million years. Would I have thought like he would have went out of his way to concoct this crazy plan to literally sneak onto his boat to get rid of him, to tase him and throw him in the water. It's, it's insane. I knew that I was not interested in Josh at all anymore. During our time together, I noticed a handful of red flags. 
and I most definitely realized that he had a major drinking problem and it became more apparent the more time we spent together, which made it easier to cut ties. Regardless, the story Josh told me lingered in the back of my mind for a while and I wondered what kind of mess he had gotten in, that some kind of hitman would come after him with a taser gun in the middle of the night. Let's break this down time-wise. So you okay. have his car, he's at your house. Does he Correct. have keys to your car to use your car at all? Hmm, I don't remember to be honest with you. Okay, so then what time do you get back and he's sleeping on the couch? Probably about maybe midnight, 1 a.m. at the very, very latest. And what time was he at the boat? Three. So potentially he could have got his Hummer so while you were sleeping, yes, he took his keys, left, uh-huh. and came back and went to sleep. So yes. as far as you knew, you're waking up and he's been there the whole time. Now, right. he did wear black clothes and black boots. Did you see any of those articles in your home that morning? I know he was wearing a black t-shirt. And I thought, okay, well, he's wearing a black t-shirt. I don't remember. I think he was wearing jeans. Mm-hmm. I don't know. but I've never known him to wear black boots. Yes. So that's really, that's really weird. Yeah. Um, So what did you tell Josh then? Because he didn't know that Ben was actually spending the night at your house and babysitting. So what did you? It was so, it was awkward. I'm like, I don't know. That's crazy. I can't No, I I had to come clean. (laughs) Oh, God. God. He was freaking out. And he was like, listen, I'm a father. And like, this shit's scary. Like, it's him. He was pounding on my door, screaming at me to get out, telling me this and that. But Josh was so hammered. He barely even remembers all of it until the neighbor's We're like, what the fuck was that? Are you okay? And After another three weeks of Ben doing everything in his power to convince Lexus and I to let him take us somewhere special, we finally caved. He arrived and we got into his SUV. Lexus and I kept asking where he was taking us. Ben repeatedly told us it was a surprise and that we would just have to wait and see when we got there. Ben got onto the freeway near my home and headed southbound. I was surprised when he took the exit to get on a major highway that leads to Snoqualmie Pass. Another 30 minutes of driving on the highway and we were officially in the middle of nowhere. Lex and I kept looking at each other and quietly joked that we hoped he wasn't taking us to the woods to kill us. I actually started to get a little nervous and told Ben that I wasn't prepared to be gone this long and that I was starting to feel uncomfortable and that I needed him to tell me where we were going. He chuckled like he thought I was joking and playfully asked me to give him five more minutes and that we would be there. This is the first time in my life I ever thought I was going to be murdered. (laughs) No offense. And I just want to say, like, I don't blame my mom for any of this. You can't see this type of stuff coming. Like, this was seriously like a movie. And it's like now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, maybe we should have seen something. But I was a kid. And... He was good at his game. He still is. He's just getting better and better as he gets older. It's fucked up. Within a few minutes, we pulled into the Snoqualmie Falls parking lot. There was a beautiful lodge and restaurant with panoramic views. Ben took us to the trail that led right out to the falls. It was stunning. In all these years, I had never been there. As we got to the end of the first trail, Ben stopped and he turned towards Lexus and I and told us that he had something to tell us. First, Ben addressed Lexus, and he told her how much she meant to him. Then he began apologizing for everything he had done to upset her. He even admitted that he hadn't been a good example of how a man should treat the people he loves the most, and that his actions towards both of us were 100% unacceptable. 
Next, he turns towards me and he pulls out this letter that he had written. Teary-eyed and full of emotion, he read it aloud to me, and I could feel the sincerity in every word he spoke. He professed his undying love for me, and he told me how love makes people do crazy things, and he even laughed and told me how embarrassed he was for trying to pay Josh off to leave me alone, but that he would do anything to show me that I was the only woman he ever wanted to love, and that he just temporarily lost his mind after realizing that he might never get me back. He also told me that once again, instead of being honest with me about his finances, he hid the truth in fear that I would lose my attraction for him and leave him. Ben said that he knew that I truly loved him and that he should have just told me the truth, but that he was a selfish coward who didn't want to lose Lexus and I. Next, Ben admitted to letting his pride get in the way so that he made up fake excuses that day that I kicked him out of my home. He said being away from both Lexi and I was the worst pain he had ever experienced and that if we just gave him one last chance, he would spend every single day making sure we knew just how much he loved us both. He reached for my hand and he told me he wanted us to be a family again and that he wants to marry me and he wants to give Lexus a baby brother or sister. He asked if he could spend the rest of his life with Lexus and I. I pulled my hand away quickly and said, whoa, slow down there. Ben chuckled and said, okay, okay, I get it, but I can't help myself. And I just can't wait to prove everything to you both so you can see that I mean every word that I am saying. Obviously, he put you on the spot. So just like me, (laughs) you know, with the even though it wasn't a technical proposal, but it it came soon enough. You know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. you know, he kind of put you on the spot, especially with a young child. And kids are so naive and they want to think the best in people. So even though he treated her horribly, she's what, eight, nine, ten years old. And like, yeah, mom, give him another chance. Like, that's that's a child's way of thinking. She doesn't realize that he is who he is. She wants to believe him. Yeah. And you know, I remember him just like grabbing her and she looks happy. She wants to be loved. She misses having a father figure, you know? Right then is when Shane had left her life and she was crushed. Mm -hmm. Oh, I bet. And so he even brought that into it. Oh. He even says it to her. He says, I know your dad um, isn't in your life anymore. And I know how sad you are that, you know, Shane did that and it's so wrong and I promise you I love you and I will never ever leave you if you let me back in I will do everything to make things right and I will never leave you I love you oh god so you talk about picking up Lexi at the exes but are you referring to Shane because I guess I was under the impression he was already out of the picture but maybe you can explain a little bit yeah so after she and I divorced, we were still friendly with each other and he regularly saw Lexus. He was still participating in her life like dad. I mean, he was, he would even help with her school clothes, school supplies, things like that. So then when he got, when Shane got with the girlfriend, Lexi was still involved with her and her daughter was there as well. I mean, I think that went on for almost two years, about two years before I got pregnant um, and the new girlfriend of Shane's got pregnant or not new, but his girlfriend got pregnant and she just got really strange. And that was when she said, you need to pick between your old family and your new family and make a decision or else I'm going to take our baby and you're not going to be part of this baby's life. And that's when he, he left. So when I'm talking about that, it is, I'm talking about Shane up until that point and it, it kind of cuts off very quickly right around that time frame actually um i think maybe that fall a few months 
from the point where we all are in this story, that's when he just changes his number and disappears from her life. So Lexi's bio dad was in the picture, not a lot, but up until about six years old and then moved to yes. California. Yes, Royce, Lexi's bio dad, and the grandmother that she speaks about and loves, um, Grandma Mary, that is Royce's mother. And she's very close with her. And as far as Royce, she was seeing him maybe every other Friday for a handful of years. But mm -hmm. I believe at the age of six, he was officially gone. And Royce really felt like the fact that uh, Shane and I were married, that it was it wasn't going to really affect her so much since she was already so close with Shane having a father figure that he wanted to go improve his life and move to California and get yeah. his education. So I know I should have never agreed to have gone with Ben that day, but I did. And now I could feel myself falling back into his spell. Even after the creepy stalking and everything else he did to me, how the hell is he always able to get me to give him another chance? After he was done, he hugged us both and he asked for one more last chance. Lexi yelled, sure, why not? He grabbed her, hugged her, and threw her up on his shoulders. They continued down the trail together, smiling and laughing. I walked behind them and I felt nervously happy as I watched them. Once again, Ben had me excited and daydreaming about all of the promises he had made for our future. So he played us both and it was heartbreaking to watch him and her, and it was just it was heartbreaking, but it was heartfelt. And and I don't know, it just, it looked real and it felt so real and so truthful that I was just hopeful and kept him at an arm's distance for still a little while longer. You know, if, if the words he said were going to work out the way he was saying, then I was gonna be living a really happy life. And so was my daughter. And so I stupidly fell, fell for all of it. Yeah. Hey, man. Been there, done that. And now, your red flag, not so fun fact. So I felt like it would be a very good idea to go over the glaring red flags that are related to the common behaviors of stalkers. Number one, contacting you constantly. For example, calling you multiple times a day, texting you repeatedly, obsessively commenting on your social media posts. Now, if that is happening, that should be a warning sign. If they seem like they need your attention at all times, they aren't caring about you. Likewise, if they are continually asking where you are or who you're with, they are not respecting your privacy. Number two, getting your details before you give them. Now, remember back in, I believe it is episode two, Bit by Spider, Ben shows up at my house and I'm a little shocked as to how he knew where I lived. Well, that is a prime example. You know, it's normal for someone to follow you on Facebook after you meet them and asking a friend for your number. It's often considered okay. However, if they won't tell you how they got your details or if they show up to your home before you've even told them your address, alarm bells should be ringing. This is not dedication of resourcefulness, people, but this is actually a major invasion of your privacy and you have every right to feel uncomfortable and to let them know that. Number three, monitoring your activities. So while most of us share our days out on social media, we don't expect to be quizzed by someone new. 
about a photo with a friend or you know repeatedly asking where you are or just a lot of details that is right there a sign of a control issue now in this episode i definitely see this red flag with ben showing up unannounced after the breakup he still keeps showing up where i am down at the marina when i'm out and about showing up at the restaurant to pay off josh never to speak with me making sure to be where i am as if it was a complete accident wow i can't believe you're here too no they know where you are they've done their research they could very well have a tracker on your vehicle and you have a right to a personal life. So if someone repeatedly turns up unannounced to wherever you are, that is a major red flag. Stalkers are even known to orchestrate events in which you need help. Now, we have seen many examples with this regarding Ben. For example, they might steal your keys only to give them to you saying they found them. Things like that helps them feel like a hero despite presenting a danger to you. Another thing is slash tires putting you in a financial situation so that you might need them or ask them for their help. Be very aware if those things start happening more often when this person is around. Make sure you keep a record of these behaviors. Every red flag, note them down. If it's an app on your phone, a journal, a tablet, whatever it is, make sure you start tracking these behaviors. Note the time, the date, the details of what happened and how it made you feel. Keep any messages that they send to you that feel off. That way, if this does advance, you have enough information to take to the police to file a harassment and stalking order against them. And last but not least, make sure you confide in the people you trust and let someone know what is going on. That way, you know that if something was to happen, someone would have an idea of what could have possibly happened to you if you show up missing or you're injured. For even more information about the red flags of stalking, make sure you go to revealpi.com and check out the information there. They have some great resources. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. There was definitely a codependency issue I was obviously going through. I definitely had a plan. I have certain things that I will never forget. He laughed and goes, I didn't think you'd really leave your job. He set me up to be financially dependent on him, but then didn't help me. You trusted him when he says, I want to be married. I want to have children with you. We had two miscarriages before. Let's make this one happen. I mean, I'm literally sleeping every night on a mattress on the floor. She looked at my account and told me that no one has called at all to speak with them. Holy shit. What have I gotten myself into? Because I can relate, not that that happened, but just that feeling of like, it's all a lie. It's just what the hell. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.